this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to another Disney at Play podcast. Thanks for joining us today. The Walt Disney Company held its first quarterly call for uh, 2021. We take an in-depth look at the announcements and references made for its theme parks and beyond. We look specifically at the Walt Disney World Resort, Disneyland Resort, and also touch on all parks globally. We not only share what was stated during the quarterly call, but what has been shared by leaders elsewhere. More importantly, we give further insight as to what was not shared, as well as what was behind the announcements given. It's a full podcast with much insights as to how Disney is coping during this pandemic in the theme parks. All of it lends itself to the question, when do you want to go back to Disney? Make sure that you subscribe to our DisneyAtPlay.com. You'll see that the quotations that we share are actually listed there. But of course, our insights are uniquely offered here on the podcast. We're going to divide things up. We're going to talk about Walt Disney World first. We're going to talk about Disneyland Resort. And then we're going to uh, talk about all the other global parks. And then we're going to kind of take a look at some general themes, particularly as it relates to the larger pandemic. So let's talk first. And the quarterly call wasn't structured this way. I have taken bits and pieces from it and put it to each of the different park locations so that we could focus on individual resorts. And so we're gonna start again with what they shared at the Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, quote, at Walt Disney World Resort, we've worked hard on two brand new attractions at Epcot, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure and the highly anticipated Marvel-themed roller coaster, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Work is also well underway on the all-new spectacular nighttime show, Harmonious. Let me just stop there. What's interesting about this is what's not shared as to the announcements made. All of those three are Epcot experiences being shared at this time. Nothing about any other portion of the resort, although they are going to talk about the Star Cruiser hotel in just a second. So he goes on to say, this is all part of a much larger reimagining of Epcot to make it more Disney, more family friendly, more timeless, and more magical. And I, so again, there are other things that are part of that Epcot picture to make it more family friendly, more timeless, and more magical, but those weren't mentioned. Just Remy, Guardians of the Galaxy, and harmonious, which I have to say, Cosmic Rewind, it seems to me that they started on show building for that before they started on the show building for Tron. Um, but I'm still surprised that Tron isn't out the gate first. So maybe that has to do with the fact that a certain theme park down the street is going to premiere this summer a, uh, or theoretically this summer, it's believed to be this summer, a ride based on Jurassic uh, World. And uh, that is a pretty spectacular 
thrill ride, not to say that Tron isn't, but I think that maybe their advantage of focusing on Guardians of the Galaxy is to really um, accelerate. I think this is going to be even a bigger, more thrilling coaster than the Tron is, as thrilling as it is. So perhaps that's why they're putting that first. Not certain why, but we'll talk about Tron more in a few minutes. Then he goes on to say, and I'm especially excited about the progress that's been made on the new Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel at Walt Disney World, which, by the way, also doesn't have an opening date. People are going to be blown away by the experience, he states. It is truly unlike anything we've done before. Well, that's an interesting notion. Is it unlike anything we've... Because, I mean, even Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is pretty blown away kinds of stuff when you get Rise of the Resistance and some other pieces in it. What makes it like anything we've done before? It's really not that it's an attraction, but that it's an attraction in a resort experience. So we'll come back to that in a moment. And I'm um, at Walt Disney World. Now they go on to talk about the attendance. So Walt Disney World as Bob mentioned earlier, this is the CFO speaking, average daily attendance grew significantly from quarter one into quarter, or I'm sorry, from quarter four into quarter one, benefiting from typical seasonality factors as well as solid underlying demand trends. So let's dissect that statement. First of all, when is quarter four? Quarter four is June 30th on through September 30th. It is not the last quarter of 21. It is their last fiscal quarter that they're referencing. And yes, going from that quarter to what would have been the last part of the season, October 1st to December 31st, yeah, attendance did pick up significantly, partly because the parks had been reopened the entire time. And uh, and they did increase capacity during that time, moving from 25 to 35 percent. Um, so um, they did grow significantly. It What's missing is what does that attendance look like right now? And I will tell you that attendance is as soft as it was back in August. In my view, it is it has gone back to a softer attendance than ever before. Uh, or than, than was found in quarter one. Doesn't mean it's going to stay that way for the rest of this quarter, which is quarter two, but it does it does put a flag on the play. At the same time, she goes on to say, our operations team found innovative ways to respond responsibly increase capacity while still maintaining rigorous COVID protocols. And they have done a fascinating job, and I've commented on certain attractions like Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway um, uh, and other attractions which has managed to put more shields between different passenger vehicles and so forth. So it, it has been, it's been positive. We expect that Walt Disney World attendance in the second quarter will be impacted by typical seasonality headwinds in addition to continued COVID-related headwinds and capacity constraints. Now, in truth, 
January is usually been a fairly good month because of the marathon and then Martin Luther King holiday. Martin Luther King holiday did well, I think, but what didn't do well, given COVID, it did well, but with no marathon, attendance was way impacted. Additionally, with COVID, it's still, now I think probably by the end of the month, it will start picking up again. And probably into March, we'll see a much stronger March than we saw in January, February. People are ready to travel, as they kind of noted the solid underlying demand trends. Interestingly, they go on to say per caps were also up double digits year over year. So at least 10% or beyond on the per caps. That's not too surprising because your percentage of annual pass holders are down and they bring down your per cap and people who are coming are probably more invested in making that stay work and succeed we continue to be pleased she goes on to say we continue to be pleased with the rate of reservation bookings we are seeing in the current quarter okay let's stop and talk about that the rate of reservation bookings is it for the current quarter or are these bookings happening in the current quarter? My belief is that they are happening, but not necessarily for the current quarter. And consumer sentiment around visiting our domestic theme parks over a longer period of time remains strong. Um, so she goes on, and again, I'm jumping through this, but I want to stay with, um, with Walt Disney World here. Okay, Jessica, there was a question made by Jessica. I'll address your question about capacity at the parks. You're absolutely right that there are days, especially holiday periods, where we have to shut our parks for additional entries. Those tend to be the days that the parks fill up quickly and we just can't accommodate more people. And if you look at the Walt Disney World availability, you will see that it increases on the weekends and it especially increases on holiday weekends. But that being said, she goes on to say, we are currently operating, I think this is the CFO talking, not Bob. We are currently operating at 35% of that full capacity. Now, I just want to stop right there and say there were a number of local bloggers and podcasters saying, I think they've gone up from 35%. I have never thought that. And if you look at all the indicators, things like the parking lots and, and hotels and how booked they are and so forth, you do not get that impression. And they've, they've made that clear. It's not increased beyond 35%. And the teams in the park, especially at Walt Disney World, she goes on to say, have really figured out a way to be as efficient as possible in operating the park that allows us to get up to that 35% and still maintain all of the protocols for social distancing for COVID. I just stop there and say, I totally agree with that. They have done a great job of thinking through that, those scenarios. I think you'll remember, she goes on to say, when we started opening, we started a level less than 35%, but it was the, as Bob has already mentioned, industrial engineering that we utilize in just moving people around. The other thing I'd say is when you think about the parks, it's a combination of attendance and per caps when you're looking at revenue. So in other words, what are your gate receipts? And in terms of per caps, um, obviously how much are they spending in the parks? So there is that combination of things that they're looking for. 
As I said in my comments, she goes on to say, and I think Bob's alluded to it on the Q&A, that we've had really nice growth in per caps. It was double digits, not only on a linked quarter basis from fourth quarter to first quarter, but also double digits year over year. So when you think about per caps and the yield management, we want to have, we want to have people have a great time when they're in our parks. And when they have a good time, they tend to spend more money. So this is something we are refining as we go along. Boy, that is probably the most loaded statement that we want to see. They believe, and I think they're, they, they should believe this, when attendance gets to a capacity much, much higher than it should be, then people stop spending as much per person and you don't get that return that you think so. And your operating costs are now going up higher and higher, but what you get is lower per cap spending. So there's a sweet spot in the middle where you, and this is, I think, connected with what's going on with the Disneyland with um, annual pass program, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But I think they're really looking very carefully at that sweet spot. And, uh, and they're trying to figure out how do we get the right mix of people that will give us the best per caps without overwhelming. Um, and, um, and I think that's what they're, they're focused at. Now, all of that said, I think there's some things they didn't share. So a whole bunch of opening dates for any attractions, um, but especially for the mentioned attractions. I happen to know that Ratatouille is ready to go and it has been for months. I think I've spoken about this on an earlier occasion. I verified that with someone this week. Definitely so, so that I know. What I did learn, and I think WD, WNT and others may have said this earlier, I was skeptical because movement was still going forward on the canopy, the exterior portion of the Tron ride. But I, it has been confirmed for me that Tron has stopped work on the ride vehicle placement and on the interior portions. Now, mind you, it's a blacklight interior portions. It's not the most um, complicated, but you still have ride systems. You still have a lot that goes on in the interior. That's a big flag because I really thought that Tron would be part of the 50th anniversary celebration. Um, now, I'm thinking this out loud, and I'm thinking, okay, wouldn't you want to put Galaxy's Galaxy um, Guardians of the Galaxy's roller coaster in the year of Epcot's 40th anniversary, which is um, in 22, and put the emphasis on the Magic Kingdom in 21? In truth, there is some sense if you get people excited about Magic Kingdom in 21 and maybe you do a parade or maybe you do special fireworks or maybe you just simply bring back all those things, that just the fact that it is the 50th, people will come and fill the Magic Kingdom and you don't need Tron to run. Meanwhile, if you can get them also go to Epcot while they're here for the 50th, more power to you. 
Then you reverse courses, celebrate Epcot the following year, but you open up the Tron ride and they got to go to Magic Kingdom again. So maybe, maybe all that is, is part of the thinking here, but notwithstanding, it does look like Guardians of the Galaxy will open before Tron. Other things they wouldn't share. They wouldn't share that they moved out Sorcerers of the Magic to the Magic Kingdom. That's just not a big thing. I'm happy to tell you though, that there is a brand new virtual game activity being planned for the Magic Kingdom, which maybe, maybe will come for the 50th. I don't know when it's coming, but they decided that rather than upgrade the technical hardware of Sorcerers, they would just do a brand new experience. And by the way, I've heard that the Pirates one will actually come back at some point, um, which I think is a great little interactive activity too. So good news for you. If you love Sorcerers of Magic Kingdom, something bigger and newer is apparently on its way. Um, next point, uh, no discussion and no question asked. There's been this back and forth uh, thought that maybe the White House would um, limit or create domestic travel restrictions to Florida, given that new viruses were coming into the country from places like the United Kingdom and elsewhere. No discussion about international travel and its impact on the parks. Um, they didn't really talk about attendance being soft at this time. They just said that reservations were very favorable right now, but that doesn't mean that they were favorable for this quarter. Um, there was no mention of dates or status for the China film re replacement for the Play Pavilion or Space 220. So it says, you know, out there not being mentioned as is Tron, nor is anything mentioned about Princess and the Frog or the Jungle Cruise additions or their effort to be more inclusive. Not really anything mentioned about the importance of inclusivity. Um... I do know that he is right that the Star Cruiser Hotel is apparently going to be amazing and that there is a load of technology that is going into this experience. What I've also heard is that the maintenance of this thing could be a nightmare because it's being assumed by resorts and not by the parks. It's a park-like attraction going into a hotel. And that's not been the resort. Unfortunately, there are silos and that's not been the resort's um, uh, gift to be able to, to keep those kinds of things maintained and upgoing. And when it's a complicated piece of interactivity and people are paying a high premium to enjoy it, that's, that's a concern that it should be out there. In my view, um, if you're not there the opening week or two of that Star Cruiser Hotel, I would book about a year and a half later after they figured out their maintenance problems. That's what I would think. And the final thought of what they didn't mention in all this is nothing, nothing about when and what Walt Disney's Walt Disney World's 50th will be like. So lots of things not mentioned. Let's go on to the Disneyland Resort and share some of the things that they said um, there. Quote, at Disneyland Resort, the exciting new Marvel-themed land Avengers Campus is currently scheduled to open later 
this year at Disney California Adventure, and crews are hard at work on the highly anticipated state-of-the-art attraction, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, coming to Disneyland in 2023. Um, let me just stop there and say, very cool, about Marvel theme. Now, mind you, it was supposed to be open in like June of 2020, so it's a bummer that it's still waiting until later this year when, when the parks have fully opened. I would say summer at best on that. Um, Mickey and Minnie's uh, Runaway Railway. It's interesting. Again, no mention of Tron opening. No mention of Play Pavilion. No mention of a lot of things at Walt Disney World. But that might be 22, might be 23. But hey, we're going to talk about Mickey and Minnie's Runaway coming to Disneyland in 23. So that's a that's just a question mark out there. Now recently, but not in the quarterly call, President Ken Potrick, uh, Potrick shared to Disneyland cast members the following about the Avengers Campus. Quote, I'm pleased to report that Avengers Campus is making incredible progress from the futuristic architecture, theatrical lighting, unique audio, creative food, beautiful costuming and innovative merchandise, the land will be an immersive experience that we know our guests are going to love. He also goes on to say, our current expectation is that the Disneyland Resort will be closed the remainder of the second quarter. So there is no plan to open this, the Disneyland Resort, to guests before March 31st. Ken did say to cast members, quote, Currently planned to begin mid-March, we will debut an all-new, limited-time, ticketed experience focused on our world-famous food and beverage offerings from around the resort. The latest merchandise and unique, carefully crafted entertainment experiences, all to be offered multiple days a week with limited capacity and enhanced health and safety measures in place, guests once again will get to step into a magical Disney environment, an environment that will provide memorable and fun experiences our guests are craving." End of quote. This is, this is interesting because um, rumors out there are that Disneyland Main Street US cast, USA cast members are being recalled back to work. And so the belief is, is that like um, Buena Vista Street at Disney California Adventure, Main Street will also be reopening to shopping and dining. The difference, there's also this discussion about doing something similar to Paradise Pier. The difference in all of this is that up to now, it's been just whoever was lined up, um, in order they're lining up, got to go into um, to Buena Vista Street to do a little bit of shopping, a little bit of dining. There wasn't a ticket required per There wasn't a unique ticket experience required. But now that they've canceled the annual pass system and everything, some kind of ticketing experience just to go do shopping, entertainment, shopping, dining, and a little bit of light entertainment and just to be in the aura of all this is going to be offered to a select few. So that's 
that's the way to wedge open back the parks. And that's very cool, but it comes at a price that you'll be paying if you want to enter. There's some other things um, that I think uh, need to be also talked about. I love this one that Bob uh, shared. We're pleased to be doing our part by providing space at Disneyland for one of Southern California's major vaccine distribution sites, which I believe is happening in the Toy Story lot. To date, more than 100,000 doses have been administered at our location. End of quote. I love, love that, that, that uh, Disneyland has really been uh, supportive of that. I would, then he goes on to talk later. He says, I would characterize this last year as not only being not only a year of challenge, but a year of learning in terms of what we can do in terms of sustained margin growth in our parks. I say that because there's nothing like a pandemic to challenge the status quo and make you f be fairly introspective about a lot of things that you've maybe taken as fairly dogmatic. I think you've all recently, you've all seen several new announcements about things that we've done recently that may have been heresy prior to the pandemic, like recasting of our annual pass program at Disneyland and reconsidering the overwhelming demand we have relative to supply. Everything we do the first lens we look at is to exceed guest expectations. And it's very tough when your park has more demand than supply. We have to put limits on it. Well, as you know, we have a wide variety of margins depending on the nature of the guest and how they visit and when they visit. So with the lens toward maximizing the guest experience, we are now able to essentially reset many pieces of our business, both on the cost and revenue side of the business, in order to say, if we had a blank piece of paper, how would we set up our parks business and be a little bit more aggressive than we typically might be able to be without the impetus of, unfortunately, a year-long closure. So we've had a lot of time to think, particularly at Disneyland, about what could be and I think you're about to see some of those strategies be born, end of quote. Now, what they didn't share is what that new system would look like. People have been given surveys and it's been all over the place looking at all sorts of options, such as purchasing a ticket that simply allowed you so many visits during the year during certain blocks. Uh, as opposed to an annual pass where you could go anytime during entire seasons. They've looked apparently at the idea of coming at certain times of the day, maybe like an Epcot after four pass. Lots of ways they are slicing and dicing that piece. There is also another, uh, I think it was Orange County Registered that said that they had come to find out that there were more annual pass holders visiting the parks then there were regular ticket guests visiting the parks, which again is a very different business model than what you see at Walt Disney World. Annual pass holders play a role at Walt Disney World, but nothing compared to that overwhelming onslaught of annual pass holders at 
Disneyland. And uh, which may also, but that said and done, it may also explain why new annual pass passes for Walt Disney World have not been sold since the parks have reopening. You could redo your annual pass and re, re um, uh, you know, uh, renew that pass. But to there have been a lot of people actually move in to the area and they want to buy an annual pass. They can't buy an annual pass, at least at Walt Disney World. Maybe at SeaWorld, maybe at Universal, not at Walt Disney World. So are they looking at Disneyland to say, what could we learn from this that might inform how we do business at Walt Disney World? Sure. Is it going to be the same thing? I doubt, but I do think it will inform that experience. So there's a whole lot more to come on that. Now let's move on to Disney's global parks and elsewhere. Here's what they stated. We're also moving forward on a number of new, this is Bob Chapin, on a number of new projects at our international parks. At Shanghai Disneyland, work continues on the first ever Zootopia-themed land. This fully immersive area will seamlessly blend Disney storytelling with advanced technologies, creating a one-of-a-kind experience for our guests. Okay, we'll stop there for a moment. Very cool. All that's good. Although that, again, is like a 23 kind of thing. Um, but, and again, you're not hearing 22 kinds of things or 23 things mentioned at Walt Disney World. And you have to understand, nobody in China is, no, there are not guests in China paying attention to the quarterly call. But announcements made here go all over the blogosphere. And, you know, if you announced, we're opening Tron, say, in summer of 22, a lot of people might say, well, then we'll put off our trip till 22, summer of 22. So I don't blame them for being uh, tight on those kinds of announcements. Um, it's just that they're trying to make sure that they don't lose more immediate um, uh, attendance at the parks because they've announced attractions coming much further. And there is a much bigger slate of things coming to Walt Disney World. And what's confusing about this, I just gotta stop and say this, what's confusing about this is you see a lot of minor projects. There are new infrastructure roads going on at Walt Disney World. There was the new jazz um, uh, display put up, museum types display put on at American Adventure. There's a new, ice cream gelato type place being put into Italy. Um, there are lots of little new things being added to the parks at all times. So you think, well, why don't you just take out all those little projects and finish Tron? But I don't think they want to put, I don't think they want, they got to separate Tron and Guardians of the Galaxy is what it amounts to. And I think they're trying to create that, that separation so that um, so that you get people who come back, go to one, and then come back seven, eight, 12 months later to go see the other. It goes on to say Disneyland Paris will be closed for the entirety of the second quarter, meaning till through March 31st, but we are hopeful we will be able to open reopen Hong Kong Disneyland during this quarter, or during the quarter. Um, 
That's cool news. Disneyland Paris was open until the end of October or for about a third of the quarter, and Hong Kong Disneyland was open until the beginning of December or about two-thirds of that quarter. Our parks and resorts that were open during the quarter all operated at significantly reduced capacities, yet all achieved a net incremental positive contribution for the periods during which they were open, meaning that revenue exceeded the variable costs associated um, with opening. That's actually really a positive thing. It's great to hear that. Uh, still, there's more issues out there, things they didn't share. Political volatility in Hong Kong is a huge issue. Before we got into a pandemic, Disneyland Hong Kong was temporarily being closed because of major, massive, I'm talking about million plus rioting or, or um, people um, protesting in Hong Kong. And those protests disrupted the airport. The protests disrupted the infrastructure. So, and that's not over. That still is yet to be figured out. So that's going to impact Hong Kong. Uh, they didn't talk about what kind of attraction Zootopia will have, although they did say it will be um, creating a advanced, using advanced technologies. I said, I think it might be a small world type boat experience because they haven't um, done any I mean, Pirates is, but it's a very advanced technology for that. Maybe they, what they mean is they're going to use that same advanced type boat in um, that. But I think they'd want another water ride. I just think that would be really smart um, as an indoor kind of thing. But it might be utilizing something similar to Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. It's that size building for a small world or for a um, Mickey and Minnie's. If you look at the aerials of Mickey and Minnie's, not very far from It's a Small World at Disneyland, you'll see that these are very comparable buildings. In fact, that Mickey and Minnie's is four times the size of Roger Rabbit's uh, Toontown Spin. It's a big building. Um, they didn't talk about the opening date for Cars Route 66 road trip, although there are photos out there now being shared. We posted one in the, in the uh, on the post. Uh, no... Nothing about Tokyo Disneyland, as always, but here's the biggie. No discussion about the Disney Cruise Line and when it might reopen. And that's, in my big, uh, I, I think that's a big piece of news um, that just simply was completely uh, left out of the whole conversation of what's going on. Um, that said, and, and added to this is there's a lot of questions about what's happening with the whole summer of Alaskan Cruise Line uh, travel, not just for Disney, but for everyone, because the Canadian government has decided to ban all cruise ships that travel from their shores and Disney takes off from Vancouver. So will that change to Seattle? I don't know, but Disney's been quite, I don't think Disney has, um, I don't think Disney has stated um, that it will not be cruising this summer um, to Alaska. There was a terrible article 
that said no Disney cruises to Alaska for three years. And that was so, which really meant and not until summer 22. So how you kind of add up your three years is, is a little different is, 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 is a very weird way of adding, um, uh, that, but, um, but at this point, I don't believe that even Disney has officially canceled those cruises. My guess is they're looking to find, I don't know, a port out of Portland, if they could, you know, to, to do that. Uh, they have canceled their sailings until May. Um, but, uh, but anyway, and that's usually when um, Europe and Alaska kind of begins. So clearly more to come on that, but yeah. Um, let's go to conversations in general about all of the parks, especially as it relates to the pandemic. Here's what they said in this uh, quarterly call. Quote, okay, in terms of the outlook for the parks for the rest of the year and capacity, it's really going to be determined by the rate of vaccination of the public. That to us seems like the biggest lever that we can have in order to either take the parks that are currently under limited capacity and increase it or open up parks that are currently closed. So that is sort of the gating factor, as you will. Uh, Chapek goes on to say, as Christine suggested, we have ample demand for our parks. Despite everything that's happening with that pandemic, I think we've made a pretty uh, big impression on our consumer base and prospective guests in terms of the safety measures that we've undertaken at our parks to give assurances to people that they should come in and bring their families. And we're very, very pleased with what we're seeing in terms of future bookings. In terms of the cost savings and the technical side of things, not only has our industrial engineering team at Walt Disney World and some of our parks like Shanghai across the world figured out ways to have increased capacity with the same safety measures that we've had in place, which has enabled us to increase our, if you will, our attendance. But there we have been able to, but let me just stop that. And, and let me say, I can't tell you the number of times I've done this podcast and I said, remember, that capacity and attendance number are not the same thing. So just keep that in mind. At any rate, keep going. But there we have been able to substantially manage our cost side at the same time to right size, if you will, out not only our fixed cost base, but also our variable cost base to match what's happening. And I think that's evidenced by what Christine said that all of our parks, regardless of what conditions they're operating under, assuming they are operating, are in a positive net contribution side. In other words, they're making money. I would also add, you didn't mention this, but I think it's important to add that given those per caps that Christine referenced in terms of the double digit increase in per caps, this is sort of the ultimate situation where demand has exceeded supply. We've had that, been fortunate enough to have that situation for the last couple of years, and we've learned how to yield this business. And I think this is the ultimate situation where we've got greater supply, we've got supply greater than demand. So not only working on the cost side, but we're also working on the revenue side. 
And I think, and I think you see some of those results at play at Walt Disney World. Quote, I won't specifically comment on whether we anticipate getting to 19 revenues by 22, but I will tell you what our expectations are in terms of the state of the world by then. We have no doubt that when we reopen up in parks that were closed or increase the capacity that will have the same level of social distance, the same that will have some level of social distancing and mask wearing for the remainder of this year. That's our expectation. So, so you know, if you're thinking, I want to go to Walt Disney World or Disneyland only when they stop having to wear the masks, at this point, they're not expecting that not wearing masks will happen in this year. You will be expected to wear a mask. You will expect to do it here to those social distancing expectations. He goes on to say, but I believe Dr. that Dr. Fauci said earlier today that he hopes that there's vaccines for everyone who wants them by April this year. If that happens, that is a game changer. And that could accelerate our expectations and give people the confidence that they need to come back to the parks. Will there be some overlap until we know that we've hit herd immunity, immunity, sorry, immunity? Sure, there will. But do we also believe that we'll be in the same state of six foot social distancing and mask wearing in 22? Absolutely not. So fascinating, fascinating insights. You can expect that for the most part, that mask wearing is going to go on the rest of the year. But they're also feeling that given, given the news recently, they don't see that happening next year. How it impacts that 50th anniversary day they start and the announcement and all that, that remains to be seen. Now, on the other side of the world, let me just mention these other things from Disney because I thought they were fascinating too. Soul, which debuted on Disney Plus and in theaters on Christmas Day to quote, as they say, create acclaim and has since taken in nearly 100 million at the global box office. That blew me away. I had no idea it had done that well, especially since it was free on Disney+. Plus. That's impressive. He goes on to talk about Disney+. Plus. Quote, if I can just jump in here as well, we believe that we've got a great price-value relationship. I mean, think about it from the Star Wars franchise. We moved from Mando 2 to Boba Fett later on this year to Mandalorian 3. And on a Marvel standpoint, we go from WandaVision to Falcon and the Winter Soldier and to Loki. So I think the best installation we've got is to keep the price value relationship very high. And there's no better way to do it than powerhouse franchises cranking out regular new releases on a monthly basis, which means you should be seeing great stuff all the time from here on out with Disney Plus. Quote, so Doug on engagement, as we said on Investor Day, with Disney Plus originals, along with theatrical releases and the library titles, we'll be adding something new to the service every week. I'll just stop there and say, big acclaim this last week that Cinderella with uh, Whitney Houston, Brandy, and the whole team coming back on Disney Plus. That was a big thing, and it's an old rerun, but got a lot of great press attention. And in general, I would say that we are pleased with the engagement overall, especially when we have put something like WandaVision on the service. So once again, these, anytime we put on put a new piece of content on, 
the engagement for people who know what the schedule of releases is, it's quite encouraging. So we believe we're going to reach that cadence of getting content on the service every week within the next few years. Quote, we've also set that target for 100 plus new titles per year, and that's across Disney Animation, Disney Live Action, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic, and of course, we'll continue to add more to our library as we go through time as well. Remember, they had a big event in December where they talked about all of this, and the stock went way up as a result of it. This is a big part of what's held Disney over through these tough times when the parks couldn't quite deliver. But they're also enthusiastic, clearly enthusiastic that when the pandemic subsides, when vaccinations go way up and we get that herd immunity, that they are confident that Disney theme parks worldwide, not just Walt Disney World, Disneyland, but theme parks worldwide are going to succeed in a big way. So what's the message? It's a great big beautiful tomorrow just a day away well thanks so much for joining us for this disney at play podcast if you really want to share the magic of the show please consider adding a comment or a positive rating on itunes it will do so much to help others find out more about this the littlest podcast that ever could and Make sure that uh, you also check out our sister site that goes with DisneyAtPlay.com. It's DisneyAtWork.com. It's a part of Performance Journeys, my company, and it's committed to helping you improve your organization. If you'd like a keynote speaker or a seminar for your business, conference, or higher education group, we offer a variety of topics to include leadership, employee engagement, customer service, and teamwork. Know that when you invite me to speak or work with your organization, you are hiring someone who has successfully applied these ideas in the trench for scores of organizations for over 25 years. For more information, please visit disneyatwork.com or performancejourneys.com. Better yet, just contact me by email or phone. Either of those websites will give you my contact information and just talk to me about what's happening in your workplace and how I can help you take your organization to the next level. Listening is the best gift I could give you. Feel free to reach out and discuss your needs. If you want to know more of the insights and happenings at the Disney parks, you have to join our brand new Patreon page where we have podcasts, videos, and interactive apps you can't get anywhere else. In our first two tiers of Explore and Discover, we look at some amazing Disney discoveries as we dive into the many themes and details of the parks. Those in the Navigator and Adventure levels experience our Disney at Work content I just spoke of, where we look at best in business ideas from the happiest places on earth through our interactive Disney at Work online tours, plus so much more. Membership begins at only $5 a month and the first few months, all of our proceeds, 100%, are going to support Embrace Celebration, dedicated to helping furloughed and unemployed folks most affected by this pandemic in the shadows of Disney. So as you receive your stimulus check or that, uh, that little Christmas uh, check from Grandma or whomever it may be, think about just carving out a few dollars towards something really good and getting something really great in return. 
Well, that does it for today. In the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, we leave you with the words of Alan Menken. Always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.